Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. You have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do. Would you please take them out? And we're going to look at a couple of places of Scripture this morning, so I'm going to ask you to turn to two different uh, passages. Go first to the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles chapter 14, and then I want you to put your finger there, and then also look at Matthew chapter 21, and we'll get there um, in due time, but uh, I hope that you brought your Bibles with you, and I hope that you're ready to hear um, God's Word this morning as we, as we continue in our series. We started last week called Just Be, uh, Becoming a Person that God Uses in 20. 22. And so last week as we began this series, uh, we talked about be prepared, that we need to be prepared um, in order to be used by God. And today I want to talk about prayer. And I want to talk about being prayerful or to be prayerful. And I'm reminded when I, when I talk about prayer, I'm reminded of the story of a pastor um, who uh, had some children, and, and he always made it a habit before he preached that he would uh, take a moment of silence, bow his head uh, before he would speak. And then one day at the dinner table, his, his young daughter said, Daddy, every time you preach, before you preach, I see that you bow your head and you close your eyes before you say anything. Well, why is that? And the dad said, well, sweetie, I'm just simply praying that God would give me the strength to preach a good message. And the young girl then responded, well, how come he's never answered that prayer? That, is not, that does not happen in my house, I promise you. I don't know. But uh, anyways, as we, as we talk about prayer today, it is my prayer, um, one, that, that it is a good message. That is my prayer. But more importantly uh, today, um, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would capture your heart, that the Holy Spirit would capture your heart and that and that you would seek and to find growth um, in the area of prayer. And so, why be prayerful here in 2022? Why, why do we want to focus on prayer this morning and as we move into 2022? Uh, since I've been your pastor seven plus years, uh, the number one topic that I have preached on is prayer. Now, why is that? I preach on prayer and that is intentional. Now, let me give you five reasons why to be prayerful and why I preach on prayer so often. Here's five reasons why we are to be prayerful. Number one, and I want you to write this down. Why are we prayerful? Number one, it's because Jesus Christ himself declared that his house is to be called a house of what? Prayer. Jesus Christ himself said that. So in my mind, if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, said my house shall be called a house of prayer, then what should we focus on when we come together and we worship together? It is what? It's prayer. We are to focus on worship. Look at Matthew chapter 21. Go there with me uh, real quick. Matthew chapter 21, um, we will read the story of, of Jesus's comments of calling his temple the house of prayer. You'll find this also in Luke chapter 19. But in, but in Matthew chapter 21, I want you to see this as Jesus is nearing the end of his life. He's been three years in public ministry with the disciples, and he's making a point. He's about to go uh, to enter uh, to the defining moment of his life, which is the cross, the crucifixion. But before that, he lays down an important principle that you and I need to remember. Look at Matthew chapter 12, uh, excuse me, 21, verses 12 through 13, and this is what Jesus said. 
said, And Jesus entered the temple, and he drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and of the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house, the place where my presence is, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. So here Jesus obviously observed something going on within his house. It obviously has upset him, and he wants to set the record straight. And so what Jesus does is he quotes the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 56 verse 7 it said this, that his house shall be called a house of prayer. Now what I find interesting here is what Jesus does not call his house. Look at what Jesus does not call his house. Notice that Jesus does not call his house a house of worship. Do you see that? He didn't say my house shall be called a house of worship. Now does that mean that Jesus negates worship? No. It doesn't mean that that we don't come to his house to worship. As a matter of fact, worship is an extremely important thing that we do as a body of believers. But, But this is what I believe. I believe the point of that statement that this house shall be a house of prayer, I believe the spiritual lesson is this. Prayer always gives power to your worship. Prayer gives power to your worship. Meaning this, that that if you want to be a a person who worships, there needs to be some preparation. And that preparation is a life of prayer. Jesus says, when you come to my house, it shall be called a house of prayer. Uh, A man by the name of John Barrage, whom you may not know of his name, many people don't know his name, why history doesn't know him, I don't understand, but in God's sovereignty it worked out that way. But John Barrage was a contemporary with George Whitfield and John and Charles Wesley. As a matter of fact, some during that day said that he was a better preacher than Wesley's and the Whitfield and George Whitfield. A story goes that John Barrage would preach all throughout the English countryside, and in one year, he led 4,000 people to Christ. And he spent 30 years evangelizing the lost. Listen to what John Barrage said about prayer and worship. He said this, No heart thrives for worship without much secret conversation with God. No heart thrives for worship without much secret conversation with God. In other words, what he's saying is that if you don't like how worship is going in your own life, you have to examine the time you spend in the prayer closet. Meaning if you want worship, it begins with your prayer life. Why? Because Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. He didn't call it a house of worship, although he does believe that worship needs to take place there. But he says it shall be called a house of prayer. The late, great E.M. Bounds, if you don't know him, he's a great author, um, specifically on the topic of prayer. E.M. Bounds, he said this, he said this, and here's a quote I want to read to you. All right, I'll look at my notes. And um, here's what he said. Is it up there? Yeah, there it is. Here's what E.M. Bounds said about prayer. A great quote. He said this, what the church needs today is not more machinery. They don't need more and new organizations or more and novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost, whom the Holy Ghost can use, men of prayer, men mighty in power and prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. 
He does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but men and men of prayer. And he goes on to say this, the church is looking for better methods, but God is looking for better men. Isn't that a great quote? I mean, God's looking for men, women of prayer. Why? Because Jesus said that my house shall be called a house of prayer. Why do we need to be prayerful in 2022? Why does prayer need to be a, a, a signature and defining um, a principle and discipline of our life? Because Jesus said, that's what our house, my house shall be called, a house of prayer. The second reason I, I believe uh, that you need to be prayerful and that we need to look at that in 2022 and, and that becomes a spiritual discipline of our life is because of this, prayer is better caught than taught. Prayer is better caught than taught. Turn over with me to Luke chapter 11. Just turn over a couple of chapters from Matthew. Luke chapter 11. I'd love to hear those pages of the Bible turn. There you go. Are you all with me this morning? Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. One of my, one of my favorite um, introductions uh, to prayer is this verse here that we, that we read about Jesus and his disciples. Luke 11 one, it says this, this happened while Jesus was praying in a certain place after he had finished that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, I want you to get this picture. Jesus has just finished praying. And his disciples who were with him, I don't know if the disciples prayed or not. I don't know, if, I don't know the situation, the, uh, what it looked like. I don't know if they were kneeling. I don't know if they were standing. I don't know if they had their eyes closed. I don't know if they had their hands raised. I don't know what the disciples, if they participated or not. Or I don't know if they just sat there and listened and watched Jesus pray and heard him pray. And their just jaw drops to the ground, right? I mean, you know somebody who's just a prayer warrior? I mean, you just know without a shadow of doubt that they've been with God? Do you know anybody like that? Do you just, and then you hear them pray, and it's almost like they, it's, it's like they pull God's face to themselves. Do you know what I'm talking about? I can imagine the disciples being that with Jesus. Obviously, it's a little unfair because Jesus is God, right? But, but they see Jesus, and they hear Jesus pull God's face to him. And then after he prays, one of the disciples said, Jesus, man, just teach us to pray. I find their question amazing and I find it shocking because nowhere else in Scripture do we find the disciples asking Jesus how to teach them to do something else. They only ask him to teach them how to pray. Now picture this, the, the, the disciples, they've been with Jesus for years. They've seen him raise the dead. They've seen him heal the sick. They've seen him show compassion to the hungry, to the thirsty. Um, he has, they have heard him preach the greatest messages. But nowhere do we find the disciples saying, hey, Jesus, teach me how to preach a great sermon. Are you with me? And they don't ask him, Jesus, would you teach me how to raise people from the dead? Jesus, would you teach me how to heal the sick? They don't ask that question. The one specific question they ask of Jesus, God, Jesus, you teach me how to pray. I mean, I think that needs to instruct us and teach us something, right? So apparently when Jesus prayed, something happened. And I believe the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray because they saw things take place when Jesus prayed. Things began to move. Things began to happen. And because of that, they said, God, Jesus, I want you to teach us how to pray. 
And here's what I believe about this right here. Is why did the disciples ask this question? I believe they asked this question because this, nobody is born a prayer hero. Did you know that prayer is not a spiritual gift? Did you know that intercessory prayer is not a spiritual gift that God only gives to certain people? Did you know that? It's not a spiritual gift. Prayer is a discipline, and it is often better caught than taught. Which means in 2022, this is what I encourage you, and we'll tell you a little bit more about this in a few minutes, but I encourage you, you pray, but you find somebody else who is a prayer warrior who you just know can pray, and you come along beside them, and you say this, hey, will you teach me how to pray? Because listen, when you and I pray, it stirs God's heart. It stirs him into action. So why be prayerful? And this is something that I've been praying on for several weeks about this message and about this new year. Why be prayerful? Number one, Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And number two, prayer is better caught than taught. And here's a number three. It is this. I have a desire as your pastor for our church to move from a church that prays to becoming a praying church. Are y'all with me this morning? Are you sure? Because I believe prayer is the power. I believe, I believe that we are a, we are a church that prays. We're ch- I do not doubt that. I believe that all my heart. We are a church that prays. But here's, what, here's how I define a church that prays. A church that prays is a church that prays only crisis prayers. Are you with me? It's a church that prays crisis-driven prayers. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, crises often lead us to our knees, and that's fine, and that's good. And listen, we have seen God do some mighty works. We have seen God answer his prayer. But a lot of times we are, we're, we're, we're crisis-driven. We are um, impossibility-driven, and it drives us to our knees. But a praying church is a church that commits to the spiritual discipline of praying without ceasing and praying around the clock. I mean, that's what a praying church is. It's a church where where prayer is a part of the DNA. It's a church that prays continually around the clock, that prays for the staff, that prays for a revival to come across this land, that prays for the lost to become uh, saved and to know Jesus Christ. That we move from a church that prays to a church that is a praying church. That when people share prayer requests with us, we don't go share that with other, other people. We share that with the Heavenly Father. When people share things with us that are, that, are, that are private conversations and we don't go out to social media and say, listen to all this, no, no, no. It's when people in your small groups and you share things with one another and you don't take that to anybody else, but you take it to your knees and you take it to the Heavenly Father. Charles Spurgeon, known as the Prince of Preachers at the Metropolitan Baptist Church in London, England, um, was asked one day on a Sunday morning, a man came up to him and said, Spurgeon, why in the world... How in the world is your church growing? It was one of the largest churches at the time. How is your church growing? Why why is your preaching so powerful? In the middle of the service, not during the the singing and the worship part, Spurgeon takes this man, he takes him outside of the sanctuary, and he takes him down to the basement to the boiler room. And there Spurgeon opens up the door into the boiler room. The man looks into the boiler room. There's over 300 men on their knees praying and weeping for God to do a mighty work. And Spurgeon says, that's your answer, has nothing to do with me. It's because of the people who pray. I want to be a praying church. 
that we move from a church that prays to a church that is a praying church. I heard of um, another story this past week. Um, how many of you are familiar with the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church? As some of you may be, okay, seven of you, good. The rest of you will learn a little bit about them. You've probably heard of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. They're a little bit famous. Uh, but Jim Cimbala is the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. His church began out of a prayer meeting. This took place several, several years ago, and um, Cimbala was in his office preparing for the prayer service, which is going to be later that evening. Well, he had a group of people called the Prayer Band, and they were in the prayer room, which was next door to Cimbala's office. Cimbala is in his office. He's studying. He's getting things ready. Um, for that night's prayer meeting. And he hears the prayer meeting taking place of the prayer band in there. He hears them praying. Then all of a sudden, he hears the words that come from the prayer meeting, the prayer band that says this, Lord, don't let that man bring the gun into the church. Simba stopped and looked up. Then he heard the prayer band say again, Lord, don't let him point that gun at our pastor. Well, you imagine what Simbola did. He jumped up and ran into that prayer meeting, right? Simbola said, I ran into that prayer meeting and I heard them pray again. Lord, do not let that man pull the trigger. And Simbola said, what, what is going on? And he said, at that moment, his prayer band just began to pray over him. And they just began to pray and pray and pray protection over him. That night at the prayer meeting, a great night of prayer, a great night of worship. At the end of the service, a man comes walking down the aisle. He comes walking down the aisle, and as he gets near the assembly, he reaches into his coat, and he pulls out a gun. And weeping, he lays it in the hand of Jim Cimbala's hand, and he says this, I came here to shoot you tonight, but something kept me from doing it. Folks, I want to see God move. I, I, now, I don't, I don't want anybody to come in here with a gun, <laughs> but I expect you to stop them before they get near to me. You got that? I'd rather be you than me. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm not, I'm just, I'm, I'm serious. No, really. But, uh. <laughs> but, 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 you, but, you get the, but you get the picture. Prayer works. Prayer moves. In 2022, I want us to be prayerful. I want us to, I want us to see that man, we, are, we are called to be people of prayer because Jesus said my house is to be called a house of prayer. We need to find ourselves with other people who can pray and get, and get connected to them and, 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 and because prayer is, is more caught than it is, is taught. And I want us to move from a church that prays to a praying church. And then here's number four, why we want to be prayerful in 2022 is simply this. Prayer will lead to revival. Prayer will lead to a revival that can sweep across this church, that can sweep across this city, that can sweep across the Golden Isles, that can take over Georgia, that can take over Southeast United States, it can take over the United States, it can take over the world. And there's no reason why it can't start right here. There's no reason. Well, we're just a nobody city. No, 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 no. God uses nobodies, amen? There's no reason why it can't start here, but it begins with prayer. You see, prayer leads to revival, and when you pray and you begin to, you begin to pour your heart out revival, here's, here's what happens. Prayer leads to a, a revived pastor, a revived staff, a revived Sunday small group, revived children's ministry, revived student ministry. It leads to revival that can take place right where you are. Um, Leonard Ravenhill, I don't know if you know that name or not, um, since deceased, but Leonard uh, Ravenhill, an English 
Christian author on revival. Uh, he wrote a book called Why Revival Tarries. Highly encourage that book. I've been reading that over the past couple weeks, and he said this, and it, and it broke my heart. And what I want to share with you is really directed more to a preacher, but, but the principle is applicable to you. Uh, I believe the quote's on the screen, but I want you to follow along and just listen to this regarding revival and regarding prayer. And he says this, one does not need to be spiritual to preach. That is, to make and deliver sermons of homiletical perfection and exegetical exactitude. But a combination, by a combination of memory, knowledge, ambition, personality, plus well-lined bookshelves, self-confidence, and a sense of having arrived, brother, the pulpit is yours almost anywhere these days. Preaching of the type mentioned affects men. Prayer affects God. Preaching affects time. Prayer affects eternity. The pulpit can be a shop window to display our talents, but the closet speaks death to display. The tragedy of this late hour is that we have too many dead men in the pulpits giving out too many dead sermons to too many dead people. Man, if that doesn't get you, I don't know what does, y'all. I love this next line. Oh, the horror of it. There is a strange thing that I've seen under the sun, and it is preaching without function. And I will tell you, like, like Spurgeon told that man, the power of my preaching is dependent upon your prayers. Do you get that? The power of the preaching that takes place here Sunday morning, Wednesdays, whenever, the teaching in your Sunday small groups, the power and the effectiveness does not come through my study or your study, although we do that. It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit, which is provoked by your prayers. And I've preached a long time, and I can promise you, I've preached some dead sermons. Do not say amen. I've preached some dead sermons. And I've gone home going, God, that was pathetic. Right? Sunday small groups. I've taught small groups before, and I'm going, there was zero power there. Right? Nothing grabbed us. Nothing moved us. But as we move into 2022, I, want to, I don't want any powerless preaching. I don't want any powerless sermons. I don't want powerless worship. I don't want powerless small groups anymore. But I want to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So when the word is preached, our hearts are moved. Our hearts are moved to action. And we, we can't stay where we are when we come in contact with the word of God because the word of God has come to change us. And I want the power to come through. But in order for that to take place, it takes all of us. It takes all of us to lock arms together and to get on our knees together and to pray and to weep and to mourn. And that we would beg God to move. That we would beg God to move on our behalf. There's a pastor by the name of Robert Gallaty who's a pastor at Long Hollow Baptist Church up near, up in the Nashville, Tennessee area. That church is in the middle of a revival in the midst of COVID. Since December of 2020, they have baptized over 1,000 people. 
And an overwhelming majority of them have been adults, not children. And this is what Robert Gallaty said. He said he's in his uh, fifth, sixth, seventh year at his church. And this is what he said. I heard him, I heard him say this. He said, he said, when I first came to the church, my first two years, oh, my people didn't like me. They didn't like me at all. As a matter of fact, they didn't like me so much that they told me that they didn't like me. And he said, I followed a well-beloved, long-term pastor. And they loved him more than they loved me. But he said this. After about a year and a half of that, a group of those who did not like me covenanted together to begin to pray for me. Not that I would leave the church because they believed in the sovereignty of God's placement. And they began to pray that my preaching would get better and that the altar would be filled. He said that for two years they did that. And today, I believe, is a direct result of their praying for me. You see, praying leads to revival. It leads to a revived church. It leads to a revived pastor. It leads to a revived staff. And more importantly, it leads to a revived person. When you get on your knees and you pray and you beg, here's what happens. You begin to focus on the movement of the Holy Spirit rather than the movement of yourself. Amen? And that's what we so desperately need today. Here's the last thing. Now, you're looking at your watch right now. I know. It's 11.15. I just said it's my last thing. It's really not my last thing. All right. Okay. Maybe not. Number five. Why we need to be prayerful in 2022 is because of this. Prayer leads to breakthroughs. Prayer leads to breakthroughs. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. Prayer is better caught than taught. We need to move to becoming a praying church. Prayer leads to revival. And lastly, prayer leads to breakthroughs. What I mean by that is this. Prayer leads or prayer can break through the impossibilities in your life. It can break through the impossibilities in your life, in your church, and it can break through the impossibilities of the world. Many of you have impossibilities. Maybe it's a relationship impossibility. As a matter of fact, at this time, I want you to look in the chair back in front of you. There are some prayer cards in front of you. I want you to see those. There's some prayer cards in front of you. Here in a few moments, actually, from this point on, I want you to begin to think of maybe that impossible situation that you have going on in your life. If you remember last week, uh, we talked about the impossibilities of life, that God is in the business of taking our impossibles and turning them into him possibles. Do you remember that? And so as we began to uh, move forward in, in this message, I want you to begin to think about that impossible situation because I'm going to ask you at the end of the service to write down your impossible situation that we call him possibles, and we're going to covenant with one another. We're going to pray for the him possibles. Are you with me? Because here's what I know. Many of you are facing some impossibilities. Many of you are facing some him possibles. Again, some of them may be a relationship that's been um, torn or it's, or it's struggling and it needs to be repaired. Maybe you have a son or a daughter that's a prodigal. It's an impossible situation. Some of you may have a sin that, that you've struggled for a long, long time and you want to break through. Are you with me? Or, 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 maybe, or maybe you're a Georgia Bulldog fan. 
right? But I know that you're facing something that's impossible, and we want to turn it into a him-possible situation. We can call it him-possibles because of this, because prayer leads to breakthroughs. Now, let me show you this. I want you to go to 2 Chronicles. Let's go to 2 Chronicles. Excuse me, 1 Chronicles. Over the next few minutes, I want to give you a couple examples of men who were in need of a breakthrough, and they did something specific that led to the breakthrough. Go to 1 Chronicles chapter 14. Begin in, we're going to begin in verse number 8, and this is the story. It's one of the stories of David. David's the king of Israel, one of the most famous kings in the Bible. Um, he led uh, Israel to its, to its apex, to its, to its highlights, and he led them to great victories. Well, in our text, David has been in 1 Chronicles 14, David has been king for seven years, and he does something. He moves his capital from Hebron uh, to Jerusalem, and when he does that, chaos breaks loose, and he finds himself in an impossible situation. He's in an impossibility, he's, and he needs a breakthrough. Now, watch what this man, David, who's ultimately known as a man after God's own heart, watch what he does. As he needs a breakthrough, pick up in verse number 8. And here's the text. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, and all the Philistines went up in search of David. Stop there for just a second. Who are the Philistines? We know this. The Philistines are the ancient enemies of Israel. Seems like every page you turn to the Old Testament, uh, the Israelites are facing off against the Philistines. They are the enemies of God. The spiritual lesson is, is, is this. The enemies of God will be coming after you. You with me? So when the Philistines heard about David, they go after him. They are their enemies, and we know this from history. They are much stronger than the army of Israel. The army of the Philistines are way bigger, are way stronger than the army of Israel. And so they are in an impossible situation. Verse 8, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up in search of David. Look at the next part. And David heard of it. And David heard of it. So you got to get this picture. The entire Philistine army has been mobilized. Who are they coming to get? The nation? They're coming to get David. All their eyes are on David. And listen, when you're in the middle of an impossible situation, it feels like all eyes are on you. Amen? It feels like they're all on you. All the arrows of the evil one are upon you. This is what David is experiencing. Look at verse 9. Now the Philistines had come, and they made a raid in the valley of Rephaim. What simply means this, the entire Philistine army encircled around David. They hemmed him in, meaning there's no escape. If God doesn't show up, it's over. If God doesn't come through and break through, it's over because they're around him and David cannot get out. Now look at verse number 10 and watch what David does. This is a great example of why we are prayerful. Verse 10, and David inquired of God. 
Inquired is the word to ask. And David inquired of God saying, shall I go up against the Philistines and will you give them into my hand? Here's what David does. He's in this impossible situation. They've encircled him. Everybody's against him. There's no way out. And the first thing that David does is this. He inquires of God. He asks. Do you get it? He hits his knees and he prays. He prays. And I, th- I think a spiritual lesson, an important lesson in life is this. Never fight a battle without first getting God to help you and to ask if this is what you need to fight. Never go into a battle without first asking God. No matter what your battle is, always ask God. Listen, I believe many of the battles that we are in were in those battles because we did not ask God first. Are you with me? Maybe you're not with me. Are you with me? Are you in agreement with that statement? The many of our battles are because we charged ahead and we did not ask God first. Here David gives us the example that we need to ask God first. Martin Lloyd-Jones, famous pastor of Westminster Chapel in London, beautifully said this. He said this, man at his greatest and highest is at his greatest and highest when upon his knees he comes face to face to God. You are at your best and at your highest when you're on your knees and you come face to face with God. And this is what David does. Because David says, God, I need a breakthrough. I need you to do something that I can't do. I can't do this, God. I'm outnumbered. I'm outmaneuvered. I can't, I can't do it. Look at verse 10 again. David inquired of God saying, shall I go up? And will you give them to my hand? And the Lord said, go, I will give them into your hand. So they came, verse 11, so they came up to Bel-perazim, and David defeated them there. And David said, now watch this. He defeats them, and David says, God has broken through my enemies by hand, like the breakthrough of waters. Therefore, they named that place Bel-perazim. Does anybody know what Bel-perazim means? It means the God who breaks through. It's the God who breaks through. Now question, what came first? The breakthrough or the prayer? It's obvious, the prayer. Meaning if you need a breakthrough in your life, you first get on your knees and you get on your knees to pray. Why? Because the name of God is the God who breaks through. Amen? Okay. Here's the second one. Maybe this one will get you set. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Here's a second example of a person, a man, who believed that prayer leads to a breakthrough. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. It's the story of Jehoshaphat. How would you like that name? Thank you, mom and dad, for a life of embarrassment. When I was a child, I was in children's choir at our church. We performed a a musical titled, Fat, Fat Jehoshaphat. (laughs) It's not online. You cannot find it. I promise you. (laughs) I may or may not have been Fat, Fat Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat's a king who faced an impossible situation, and he needed a breakthrough. I want you to see this. He was in a difficult spot. Now watch what he does. Look at verse number one. Now it came about after this that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon 
together with the sons, uh, with some of the Meunites, came to make war with Jehoshaphat. So once you get this picture, he's got armies against him. All of these armies are coming against Jehoshaphat. They're coming against Israel. He's got the, he's got the Moabites, the Ammonites, uh, the Meunites, the Termites, and the Gigabites are all after him. They are, they've surrounded him, and it is an impossible situation. It's an impossible situation. Now look at verse 2. Some, then some came and reported Jehoshaphat, saying this, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, out of Aram, and behold, they are in Hazazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. That's the Dead Sea. So this means somebody has come to Jehoshaphat and said, not only have you heard that somebody's coming, they are on their way. They're knocking at your door. Impossible. Look at verse 3. I love these next three words. Jehoshaphat was afraid. You think? Yes. But look what he does. Look what he does with his fear. Look what he does with his fear. He's not going to run. He's not going to turn away. He knows the situation. He knows the impossibility. He knows that death is on his doorstep. Are you with me? And if God doesn't break through, it's over. And look what he does. So Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he turned his attention to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast all throughout Judah. So Judah, verse 4, gathered together to seek help from the Lord, and they even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. Do you see what Jehoshaphat did in the midst of impossible situation? He did two things. Number one, he turned all of his attention to the Lord, which is code word for he prayed. He got on his knees. He fell face down on the ground, and he begged and he prayed and he went to God. And the second thing he did is he fasted. He prayed and he fasted and he led the entire nation to go through a, a national fast. And the whole nation said, yeah, we, we, we see the seriousness of this impossible situation. And so by, our, by seeing that, we are going to commit to praying together. Oh, church, if we would see the seriousness of what's going on in our nation, we would hit our knees and we would begin to fast and ask God to protect our nation. Amen? We need men and women who are serious about asking God for a breakthrough. We need men and women who are willing to pay the price for others through prayer. And here's what I love about 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It is probably one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. Because I love what happens next. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but here's what happens after Jehoshaphat prays and the nation prays and they have a fast, the armies, the three armies, they get closer and closer and closer. But here's what God says to Jehoshaphat in the middle of his impossible situation. The battle does not belong to you, it belongs to me. I'll take care of you. Isn't that great news? You may be in an impossible situation and today God is saying, the battle doesn't belong to you, I've got you, I will take care of it. And here's what God does in the night God causes these three armies, the, the, the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Meunites, not the Mennonites, do not say that. He caused them to turn against each other. And they began to fight against one, one, each, each other. And they killed each other off. And so the next day, 
The Israelite army goes out to battle and sees that all of the armies have been destroyed. They've all been killed. And so they do what any good person would do. They run into the valley and take up all the spoils. Take all the bracelets, all the necklaces. They get all of this for themselves. It takes a long time to collect all the spoils because God has delivered them. Now look at 2 Chronicles 20, verse 26. you got to see this. Look at verse 26. And because of what happened, because of something that took place, because God broke through, look at what they did. They named the place. Look at the end of verse 26. And therefore they named that place the Valley of Barakah until today. Do you know what that name, Valley of Barakah, means? It means the Valley of Blessing. Meaning they took the valley of the battle, they prayed, they fasted, and the battle then turned into a blessing. You see, God will provide a breakthrough when you pray. Amen? When you pray, God will show up and God can give you that breakthrough. So the past couple weeks as I've been praying about this, and just really wanted to know how to challenge you as a congregation. Um, I, I have felt led to do a couple of things that I want to share with you. Number one is this. I invite you to join me in participating in a fast one day a month. If you want to do more, go ahead. But one day a month, I ask you to join me in fasting. I personally am going to choose the first Monday of the month. And that when we fast, we ask God to bring revival and that we ask him to give breakthroughs in the people's lives who need a breakthrough. And I want you to join me on that. I don't want to be alone. But I ask you to do that. The second thing is this. is that I want you to take this prayer card and I want you to write down your hymn possible situation. Does that make sense? That you write that down. And here in a few moments when Josh leads us in a song of response, I'm going to ask you to come up here and place it on the altar because your staff is going to pray for these. And we're going to become a praying church. Then I want you to take another prayer card in the back of the chair backs and write down what your hymn possible situation. Put this in your Bible and you pray for God to move. Are you with me? And when I talk about hymn possible situations, I'm talking about big things. Big things. Big things. Remember we talked about last week that the the size of your God determines the size of your goal. Do you remember that? Go big. Go bold. Our God can handle it. If you want healing, ask. If you want your prodigal son to come home, ask. If you need deliverance from a besetting sin, you ask. If you need your marriage restored, you ask. 
If you want revival in this land, you ask and then commit to praying for that. Let me give you about 30 to 40 seconds or so, just in quiet. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to write these down. And then when we stand to sing, I'm going to ask you to come forward and lay them on the altar. And let's be a praying church. Amen? Let's take about 30 to 45 seconds and write them down. give you our prayer requests. We ask you to move on our behalf for your name and for your glory. And I pray, Father, as it says in the book of Acts, that when the people prayed, that the whole room was filled and it shook. Holy Spirit, come and hear our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray.